8 o'clock. Good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC, WHHH, Indianapolis, and WTLC FM, Greenwood, Indianapolis, starting our Sunday off strong on the last Sunday of November as we get ready to move right on in to 2021. We got one more month left of this thing. It has been no doubt an eventful year for a number of reasons in the past couple of weeks have been extremely eventful for members of Reclaim Indiana Avenue. You've probably heard of that group. They were the group uh, the grassroots organization that was instrumental in getting Buckingham companies to uh, change their plans. Now we'll tell you why Buckingham says this big apartment development on Indiana Avenue is not happening. Uh, Their reason is a little bit different, but we know that their change comes after weeks of outcry and pushback uh, from a number of community members, a number of uh, loud voices from Reclaim Indiana Avenue uh, who have now stopped this big, massive Uh, apartment complex that uh, a lot of folks said was out of touch, that said didn't belong uh, in what was once a historically uh, black neighborhood, home to Madam C.J. Walker, home to some of the best jazz musicians in the country, home to uh, the start of one of the area's largest black churches, home to uh, a number of black businesses that are still around today uh, and that literally set the footprint of black life in Indianapolis. This is where folks live. This is where uh, folks went to school. And most of that is all gone. If you go down Indiana Avenue, you look to the left, all you're going to see is IUPUI. But to the right is all this history that if you don't know is there, you're just simply going to miss it. And that's unfortunate. But that's a whole nother topic, uh, which we'll probably talk about at 830 when we talk with Samson Levingston. He is uh, a lover of Indiana history and a tour guide of Indiana Avenue. And he gives you a walkthrough of the area, step by step, showing you what was what was once there, who lived here, who worked here, and why it's not there anymore. But to stop the further destruction of what was once there is that group, Reclaim Indiana Avenue, uh, who pushed back on that development to come in because they said it would further take away, well, I guess it would further add to the damage of the destruction of that neighborhood. Like I said, it's hard to imagine that there's even a a black neighborhood that was once there, because if you don't know it's there, you're going to miss it if you don't see uh, the little signs that are supposed to commemorate um, all of the history, which um, that's the part when you go on Samson's tour uh, may get you either inspired or a bit frustrated. But we're going to start this hour with Paula Brooks. Uh, She is one of the leaders from Reclaim Indiana Avenue. She has been instrumental uh, in getting attention to this project that uh, would have sat right between the Madam Walker Legacy Center and the uh, Indianapolis Urban League. Now, if you're familiar with the area, you're saying, well, what's there? It's just a parking lot. They were going to put that building right there, smack dab in between the Legacy Center and the Urban League, and it would have been extremely far from what was once there. Paula joins us on our live line this morning. Paula, good morning. Good morning. Uh, congratulations. Uh, this is a, a case of the a little guy fighting back against the big corporation 
uh, in your guys' effort to get this development to stop. That's what you guys wanted. But I want to start with you guys are not against development of Indiana Avenue, just not this project. You're so right, Cameron. Um, as you said in your introduction, um, when you drive down the avenue, um, if you don't know what you're looking at, you know, you're not, it's like a... Um, Thorough, I, I, I like to call it that the um, soul has been sucked out of the area. Um, and that, that was intentional. Um, we want to see a community. Um, and, and that's what people forget about over here. We're still a community. Um, there's at least 1,500 people that live um, in between um, the Avenue, MLK, and 11th Street. Um, that's a sizable community, but we're invisible. Um, also, um, what people don't know is is that we have the largest percentage of black homeowners in the downtown area. Um, in Ransom Place proper, um, if you subtract the transient, the students, um, the um, black homeowners are about 40%. We're still here. We're just invisible. You guys are not invisible uh, lately because you got the attention of Buckingham Companies, which is a big development company. In fact, uh, owns the building that I'm standing in uh, here at Radio One, as well as a number of properties throughout uh, downtown Indianapolis. They're a big deal. This is not some mom and pop company, but they are some big boys. What is it that you wanted them to understand because you got their attention? Um. That we were a community. Um, their intention was to come in and build a massive um, apartment building. We, we were talking about around 600 students living in that building. Um, the impact on the traffic, um, also just the street life. Um, I don't know, um, Cam, um, where you've lived, but you know when you when you have these massive buildings. It just kills any energy on the street. Um, also, the building looks like a wall. It's going to wall off the community from the avenue and um, actually um, kind of accelerate the um, encroachment of IUPUI on that side of the avenue. Mm-hmm. And, and back in the day, back in the day, there was an agreement. That, that's why, as you mentioned, if you look, if you're going north and you look on the right side, um, you see the Walker, the Urban League, um, A25, Indiana Avenue, which is a senior building um, that was built um, as a, um, a compensation. And then on the left-hand side, you have IUPUI. Um, people fought for that, right? And um, Buckingham came in, and their attitude was, well, we're going to own the property and we can do whatever we want to do. Um, they weren't concerned about um, pedestrian connectivity. They weren't concerned about the fact that we have very high air pollution down here. And, and also just the, the um, flooding of transient resi- residents. We need permanent residents down here. We don't have enough housing. Um, 239-9696, 317-239-9696. The phone is already starting to ring, but I want to invite people to call in 
uh, because I know a lot of you expressed questions uh, to uh, folks like Paula and Indiana Reclaim Indiana Avenue because you want to know how to get involved and what is it that you can do to make your voice heard because Paula, you guys do want something there. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, look at eight thirty. We're going to talk to Samson Levingston, who is uh, running one of these tours, and I, I went on uh, his tour of Indiana Avenue. Paula, I don't know if you've ever met Samson or if you know about his tours, but he. I takes... know about his tours. Okay, but I haven't met him. Yeah. Um, so if you go uh, with him, he's going to take you up and down Indiana Avenue, down on the canal. Uh, show you what was once there, take you into the Ransom Place neighborhood. And a lot of what you see are, um, here's what once was here. Most of it's parking lot now. Uh, there are some signs, and this is what frustrated me. There are just these signs, which to me felt like sad excuses uh, to commemorate uh, this tremendous history that's there. And while I'm I'm happy that there's at least a sign, it seems... Uh, it was just frustrating to know, like, this is the best we can do to commemorate the place uh, that literally shaped black culture, black history, black life in Indianapolis, where Madam C.J. Walker's uh, international business began, where so much literally began right here. It feels like in any other city, you would not be able to go to that city without going to their version of Indiana Avenue, because that's what shapes the place. Is, you're so, you're is so it? Right. Am I, thank you. Okay. That my question was: Am I off base? Has anyone else said that? Oh, oh no, you're right. But it just tells you the value that this city places on black life. You know, black culture. Um, the um, even to, to today, um, the goal really is is to erase any trace of blackness in this area. Um, we may have changed that dynamic. But I can tell you, a year ago, that was the goal. It's just erasure and, and um, basically to turn turn us into museum relics. Two three nine three one seven two. A sign here, a sign there. What was was, and not really seeing what is. Um, that that's um, regrettable. And this has actually been going on for a while. You know, this this goes back decades. Majority of my life. Yeah. Majority of my life. So, yes. So this isn't. I'm third generation. I'm third generation. So, you know, I witnessed. I'm old enough to have witnessed um, the um, destruction, the depopulation, the um, um, withholding of um, public investment. I, I witnessed all of that. Um, even, you know, when you look at MLK, you know, MLK was a four-lane roadway like it is north of 16th Street. It's an interstate access road now. Um, you can't cross the street without fearing that you're going to die. Those kinds of policy um, initiatives um, worked in concert with IEPY, um, their expansion. It, it's, it's just like, let's get rid of the blackness. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Paula, have you already got a couple of calls here uh, from folks who want to ask questions about how to get involved? Let's take a listen and see who this is on line one. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Uh, Larry Bond, please. Good morning, Larry. What's up? You know, I wish they would stop mythologizing uh, the avenue. The avenue was nothing but owned by wealthy white people 
who wanted to distribute dope throughout our community and different sides of town in Barrington and all the other places. Is, is they use the same way they're using rap music right now to infiltrate our communities, to mischaracterize our culture, and also to sell dope. That's what they've done from the avenue. They had jazz musicians coming through there, bringing their dope, bringing their music, and uh, destroying our communities within this city. That's what they've done. Now, hey, anybody Larry. says that that's not true, then look at it. I lived in that area. I went to school five, right? And over that time, we had all black teachers. We had everything good going to us. But when Martin Luther King came along and destroyed all that, then the dope moved in. Then we were mischaracterized in the uh, movies like Superfly and other movies that made us think we were. Okay, uh, okay Larry. So let me ask you this, Larry. Let me ask you this. As somebody who, who you say you live there, that's where your folks are from and you, you went to school there, all that. What do you want to see happen with Indiana Avenue? I want to see it developed any way it could be developed. We've already wasted our money, Cameron, on a bunch of church building on top of church. That's our legacy money that have been uh, locked up in frozen assets that cannot be accessed at this time even more. So uh, I want to see it developed in the best way it can be done. The Urban League's there now. The Walker Building is going to certainly be torn down because that real estate's too valuable. But people have to understand, that was the downfall of the black community here in the city of Indianapolis. It came straight from the avenue through distribution of dope. And these people are on there talking now. I don't know whether they know that or not. Maybe they don't. But I remember when those businesses were along that avenue struggling to survive, all the black people done, they could move out. They moved out in as quick as they could. And... Uh, thought they were going to escape so now it's All abandoned right. it's a, right. yeah but it's abandoned now and the ones that are there now are just in, in a, a speculation mode to get the top dollars out of their property so that they can move in buckingham Brahmall, they made a wise business decision because material price are high now labor price are high now they'll come back around when those prices go down and construction prices are more um uh, uh, a prep amenable, and they'll come back and they'll build their project. And uh, there'll be nothing that these people can do about it. So they're patting themselves on the back for no good reason. They're, they're destroying, rightly, the place that had the downfall of the black community in this uh, city from the teas and blues to the heroin and everything that was distributed exactly from that point, Cameron. Now, you young all right, people need to right. look into that. All right. Thank you, Larry. So uh, I've never heard anybody say the rightful downfall of a black community. Interesting. Uh, I do want to point out that uh, I had reached out to uh, Buckingham companies to see what was your guys' side uh, of this and could they confirm that the project had been stopped and the statement that they gave to me was despite the best intentions of everyone involved and not unlike so many other worthwhile endeavors during this time, the pursuit of a feasible project was undermined by the impact of a once in a hundred years pandemic that took away the reasonable opportunity to complete the development at this time, we appreciate the efforts of the leadership of the Madam Walker Legacy Center and all the other stakeholders with an interest in this incredibly important site. Paula, let me ask you, uh, they, uh, what's your reaction to hearing that statement? They said essentially the COVID-19 pandemic put the brakes on their project. Uh, was it the COVID-19 or was it reclaiming Deanna Avenue? I think it was a lot of different factors. Um, Buckingham was actually um, 
warning. <laughs> um, they were warning to con- um, to continue the project. Um, the rezoning happened in in July. Um, that we were well into the pandemic. Um, there's also the factor of the Walker um, board. Um, they need money, and um, I'm speculating, um, but I'm fairly certain that um, the board um, did not want to um, um, terminate um, the contract. But Buckingham, as you say, um, you know, they're a major developer. Um, bad publicity um, makes the project um, more expensive. Also, there was issues with traffic, and the city um, were was asking for another egress onto MLK, which meant the project had to um, be um, um, smaller, reduced. Um, that was a factor as well because... Um, we kept hearing, well, you know, we we got to make our money. We have to make our money. And they couldn't make the numbers work. Um, also, another factor, I believe, um, was just the, the negative publicity, um, n- not only from Reclaim Indiana Avenue, but also um, nationally and locally, um, the fact that um, the building um, badly designed. Well, you know, if they had come with a better design, um, they may have been successful. But that building was just horrible. It, it was horrible. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever come down the avenue during rush hour, um, but, you know, it's just one lane and um, just people trying to get on the interstate. Mm-hmm. And you, you're going to put um, fast food restaurants, 600 kids um, right in that one block. Um, it was too much. So you've, it was a, a, a myriad of factors. You've and got it's not COVID. You've got a number of calls coming in, Paul. So let's try to get to the folks because I know folks want to find out how to get involved. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air. Let's see who else got through here on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Cameron. I'm Denise, and I'm a 23-year resident of Ransom Place. Good morning, Denise. I absolutely good morning, Paula. I absolutely love my neighborhood. I was so blessed by God to purchase a home in the neighborhood. The neighborhood is small but mighty. Um, we do have deep, deep uh, historical and cultural roots which need to be considered um, when anything is going to go up in the area. And personally. I would love to see a music heritage museum and connect it with some of our young people who are interested in the arts. There are so many possibilities that could go up uh, that would benefit the entire community, and I think that's where our focus should be. So thank you, Cameron and Paula. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the call, Denise. I appreciate it. And and can I just add, Cameron? Yes, yeah. Um, Denise lives down the street from me, and several years ago, um, she wrote a, a essay. Um, this um, experience um, coming to Ransom Place, uh-huh. and you know, I hear a lot of times um, people talk about gentrification over here, uh-huh. um, and it's it's a little bit more complicated than um, what we're seeing now. Um, but Denise, um, as she said, she. Um, 
felt like that it was a gift from God that she was able to come in the neighborhood where she had roots. She bought a home. She's been here for decades. That's the kind of housing that we want to develop more of in the area um, that attracts people like Denise who come and stay and and not people um, who are here for a year or two and, and gone. Mm-hmm. 317-239-9696. Uh, let's go to the caller on line three. Let me push you right there. Caller, good morning. Who's this? Uh, good morning. This is Lee. Lee, what's on your mind? It seems as if when this development started, they were trying to wipe out the last vestiges of the black community in Indianapolis. That neighborhood was built with homes. GI built their homes there. And it was an established neighborhood. And then they came through with the interstate and carved up the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And now they want to do more damage to it. It's like they're kind of wiping out the black culture in Indianapolis. And that shouldn't happen. And I'm glad people stood up and said, no, you can't do that. It definitely did make a difference. Lee, thank you so much for the call this morning. Good morning. Thank you. All right. right. We got another uh, another caller here online. One caller. Good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? This is Kevin Floyd. Kevin, what's on your mind, sir? Hey, I I was just reflecting yesterday, and I was going through a collage, and I want to rebuke what one guy said about earlier about the black people didn't own anything on Indiana Avenue. My family came from Mississippi in 1918. They lived at 755 and 757 Indiana Avenue, and they were owners of their property. Now, in the meantime, when IU came through there and brought all those people's properties they gave him a lower value for the properties. I just, you know, I was telling my sister yesterday that I'm pulling out a collage of all the pictures that I've been going to all these old family albums of pictures on the avenue, and I'd like to get in touch with somebody and maybe give them to, you know, the Madam Walker Center to see how black people really live on the avenue. Ooh, um, I think, Paula, does that sound like an... Indiana Historical Society call. I know. Yeah, I've been going through all these old pictures for the last few days, and I've got pictures of all my family on Indiana Avenue. That's where I was raised at. I'm 57 years old. But my grandparents and them lived there, and my great grandparents and them lived there. I just want to put that out there, you know, just let people know I got some. No, I know. Back in the day when they had outhouses in the back of the houses and everything, you know, a lot of this stuff, probably people don't have that, but... Um, no, they don't, because I... They don't, and I know that because I went on... Uh, Samson, who I'm going to introduce you here in a couple minutes, uh, talks... Uh, he, he has lots of pictures, but what he always talks about is he says there's never enough pictures of people actually living and in the moment, and it sounds like that's exactly what you have. So you need to reach out to... And I'm just throwing a stab in the dark. That sounds like an... Indiana Historical Society call or one of the museums. Paula, is there any other group that you would recommend him reach out to with these pictures? You know, our historical documents. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what you can do. You can have somebody reach out to me, so that'd be that'd be a little less strain on me trying to figure out who everybody is, because I know who I am, and I know what I got. Well, do you want to give me your phone number on the air? Or you can send me an email either way. Okay, okay, I'll do that. Okay, let me give you my email. You got a pen? 
Uh, I'm working on that right now as I speak. <laughs> All right, as soon as you get it, I, I can't get believe it. I got fucking on the line for about a half an hour. <laughs> you got, you were lucky. You were the lucky caller. You got through. The phone's still that ringing right now. Good Lord, then. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Oh my God. Well, I need a pen. Oh, right. Uh, um, Marion County. Um, oh, so, okay. Uh, what, what is it? Okay, my email is C. R I D L E. Just one. C R I L D L E. C R I D L E. D L okay. Yep, just one D at radio R I R A D I O dash O N E. O N okay, Radio One. Yep. C R I D L E at Radio One dot com. Okay, thank you very much. You guys have a blessed day. All right, thank you. You too. Okay, you too. Paula, go thank ahead. Cameron, to mention, um, uh, hey, so Marion County um, Public Library. Ah. Um, that's the that's the place. Also, um, the Historical Society is is another place, as you mentioned, um, that would gladly take the doc, um, his photos and all. But I would advise him to hold on to him for a little while yeah oh oh yeah because that that absolutely absolutely um paula as we get ready to wrap up here what is a good way for people to to contact you or contact reclaim indiana avenue because they either want to be involved they have an idea they have something that they want to contribute um to go to our facebook page reclaim indiana avenue and we're actually in the midst of developing a survey um because um, there's no community plan here, and Cameron, you need to have me on so I can tell you about the policy decisions um, historically. But the fact that we do not have a plan allows for this development. So we're um, looking to embark on a planning exercise um, mm-hmm. the beginning of next year, right? And we want to know what the community wants. Um you and, know, Paula, you're talking about making an actual master plan that goes to the city leaders and it basically makes an outline of that neighborhood and sets the parameters of what should be in that neighborhood. Yeah, for appropriate development, yes. Because um, historic districts have different standards than um, what is called the regional center, which is downtown. And, and that was a tool to... Um, erase um, the blackness that that actually allowed for the Fall Creek YMCA to to be um, demolished. Um, but um, the survey um, that we're developing, um, we really want to know what the community would like to see on the avenue. The museum is popular, but um, you know, um, Cameron, this this is for um, the millennials. Um, you know. They need to lead in terms of um, what should be on the avenue um, because they're they're our future. So um, we had a young man mention a basketball court, and you know I was like, really? But when I when I thought about it, it made sense because when I was in college, we used to go up to New York all the time to go hang out hang out at um, in the village at West Fourth Street to watch. Um, them play basketball. That was our socializing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to think out of the box um, in terms of what you would like to see on the avenue. So go to our Facebook page. We're also on Instagram. 
every train indiana avenue um our email is contact at reclaimindianaavenue.org um you can also um find us um at um on twitter all right and and we have a website we have a website reclaimindianaavenue all right paula brooks Uh, a member, a leading member of Reclaim Indiana Avenue. Thank you to you and thank you to uh, Mallory Irvin and Jeff Williams, who I also got to uh, meet this week. And when you talk about that younger and that millennial effort, that's Paula. I mean, that is Jeff and that is Mallory and many others who are in Oh, yeah, it's not Paula. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not Paula, <laughs> well, hey, you're as young as you want to be. Uh, you, but, but you have that other energy who is with you helping to get this done. And Paula, we will certainly. Oh, yeah, they're great. We will I just, certainly. You know, I, just, I just also, Pam, before you let. Let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, Mallory and Jeff are the leaders. They're great. But we also have a, a, a another team of a team of people who are working with them, and we we have people who volunteer, who have come in and just volunteered their skills. So they've helped us with writing letters, setting strategy, um, interviews as well. So. Um, you know, whatever someone wants to contribute, we're open to that. All right. Uh, Paula Brooks with Reclaim Indiana Avenue. Thank you so much. And we will have you back on in the future because I got a show to fill every week. And as we continue to have this discussion about Reclaim Indiana Avenue, we will love to have you back. Thank you so much, Paula. Thank you. Still to come here this morning, we're keeping the conversation on Indiana Avenue. You heard me talking about uh, Samson Levingston and his tour that he gives of the avenue. We're going to introduce you to him and why you may want to put his tour on your calendar so that you can get the behind the scenes, the real scoop of what of what once was and is and could be. Indiana Avenue. More of the Open Line show is coming up, but before we go, we want to say a happy birthday to Didi, a loyal listener of the show, joining us here this morning, who's always listening with her mother, Mrs. Hurt. Ladies, thank you so much for tuning into the Open Line show. We're back with more of Indy's favorite Sunday morning show after this. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. And we are back, Indianapolis. This is the Open Line Show. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. And we are talking this morning about Indiana Avenue and how many members of the city want to reclaim it on this Thanksgiving weekend. Thankful to be with you here uh, behind the mic. Uh, and thankful that you are always here with us on a Sunday morning to start your week. And in this case, to end the month, hope you uh I've already got the leaves already, got your salt, because they're talking about one to two inches of snow. I'm a bit disappointed. They teased us with six inches a couple of days ago, told us that was a possibility. And whenever I hear that there's a big snowstorm is coming, I always get excited. And now when they said it's just going to be one to two inches, 
I'm disappointed. Uh, that said, to make us feel a little bit better this morning, there's a lot of optimism of what could be coming one day to Indiana Avenue. And you've heard me mention his name a couple of times uh, this hour. Samson Levingston is a lover of Indiana history. And he is also the son of our uh, vice president and general manager, Dion Levingston. So if you like Dion or you remotely think that he's funny, like Dion seems to think he is, then you really, really enjoy Samson. Uh, Samson, uh, well, Dion introduced me to Samson through one of his tours, and I went on one of his tours of Indiana Avenue, and I was really enlightened. I learned so much. Um, but as you might have heard me say earlier in the show, I was a bit frustrated that the only thing that was taking us back in time were the Sam's were the pictures that Samson had, and then these plaques. You heard Paula Brooks mention a moment ago uh, in our last segment uh, about the YMCI, YMCA that was once downtown. You could walk downtown, look, you would look all day. You would never, ever, ever be able to figure out where it was unless. You came across one of those blue historical Indiana uh, marker signs. Outside of that, that's it. And there's a lot of significance. It's not just that it was a YMCA, but that's one of the things Samson can tell us about why it was significant. And when you go on his tour, you'll learn even more. Samson joins us right now on our live line. Samson, good morning. Hey, good morning. How's it going? I'm good. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. So tell everybody about the tour. I've already talked it up. You know, we did it, uh, what was, that was the Sunday, was that two, three weeks ago? It was the Sunday that the uh, presidential election was called, uh, the Saturday that it was called. Yeah. So it, it was it was nice out. It was a great walk. We started near the Urban League, and then we went back in time. What is so special about this Indiana Avenue tour? Um, I think it allows people to really place themselves in the history. You know, I'm a full-time historian, and so what I like to do is is put myself in the history. It's one thing just to look at pictures and facts and people, but when you start to envision yourself as part of this history, and anybody can do this, you know, regardless of your race, age, gender, um, you can be a part of this history, and so... That's kind of what I try to do with the Indiana Avenue tours is allow people to, as we walk the neighborhood, kind of step into that history for a little bit. So, Samson, I've said it a couple of times. You could walk through um, the Indiana Avenue area and you would have no idea aside from the Walker building. Um, or if you happen to, your eye happened to catch one of those blue landmark signs or historical signs you'd really have no idea the history that's there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, unless you're, and, and this is something I say all the time, is that, you know, you're going to find what you're looking for. And so if you're looking for, um, like, I, I like to look at different hawks and stuff. And when I look for them, I find them in the sky. And so when you're looking for different uh, elements of black history, you will find it if you look. And if you take a look on the avenue, if you're really looking for it, you'll find so much black history, but it won't find you by mistake. And that's definitely for, for sure. Now, I don't know if you heard earlier, Samson, but we did have a caller who said he had pictures of his family in the moment on Indiana Avenue because that's where they lived. I know you've been looking for pictures. Uh, he's mm -hmm. going to email me his contact information, but one Talk about the need, because I remember you saying on the tour that there just weren't a lot of pictures of people living on Indiana Avenue. 
What should he do with that, and how much is it a need for more of those pictures? I think it's important. To sh- um, firsthand accounts of history are, are really unique, and they're special, and they allow us to interact with it in a very real way. I mean, this history was, this is ancient Greece and, and, and Rome and, you know, B.C. This is just, just happened. This is very recent. There are members of our community who are alive and well when the avenue was thriving. And so um, having those pictures and being willing to share them and show different stories only helps generations like mine and generations in the future um, really feel a connectivity to the area and to the history. And I think that's what we need to kind of preserve it. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air this morning as we talk about Indiana Avenue. Samson, as we've had this conversation for the past 45 minutes here on the radio, for people who still don't know about Indiana Avenue, just rattle off some things besides Madam C.J. Walker that was once home on the Indiana, in, on Indiana Avenue. I just mentioned the YMCA. Uh, for sure. And so... Um Along with having this tremendous neighborhood and other and other businesses, uh, just drugstores and 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 and, uh, and and nail salons and barbershops and um, different things of that nature, we had we had we had big jazz clubs and we had the Cotton Club here. We had Henry's Bar. We had George's Bar. We had Sunset Terrace, which was um, so so influential um, on the avenue as far as. These businesses giving African Americans a place to, to a place to play, essentially. Would you be able? And and I'm trying. I know what the the pictures look like, but since this is radio, I'm trying to literally paint a picture, a little theater mm-hmm. of the mind for our listeners. Um, Indiana Avenue back in the day looked as busy and as vibrant as a Broad Ripple Avenue or a Mass Ave, but with soul. And back in the day. Yeah, oh, most definitely, and it's and it's filled with black businesses and black people, and it's not because this is just a place that we all chose to be at. Um, this is a place where we we're kind of allowed to create and to have this space to to kind of do our thing. And you know, it's not often that you have places in the area and places in the city where you can kind of be left alone and be you and create for yourself and, and build a life for your family. And we we're able to do that on Indiana Avenue, and so. That it was almost like its own little city in a way, its own little black bustling city here in downtown Indianapolis that was allowing so many of our communities the unique opportunity to thrive. You've got some calls coming in, and I want to go to that. But also, um, you said it was its, its its own black little city. But as you'll talk about on the tour, mm-hmm. it was where we were forced to go. Yeah, it's not really an area that we picked. Say it in your own Samson way. The way that you say it on the tour, why black people were put in that Indiana Avenue area. There's a reason. Well, yeah, um, you know, looking at the White River, Paul Creek, and the canal, that's kind of, that's a, that's a, it's not desirable land initially. That's kind of swampy land. And initially, that's where the Eastern European, the poor immigrants would stay. And, and, and as we became the poor people in Indianapolis, that's where our neighborhood was confined to. And, and as we were looking to kind of move out from the area, it was hard to get those housing loans, to get those grants, to do those things. And so here we are in this community, undesired by others, but here we are, we have to make it home. That was an area that we were forced to go. As Samson says on the tour, it was smelly. As he just said, it wasn't a desirable place. So they had all the black folks go over there, but then they realized, wait a second, 
there's there's something to this. And as the interstates came through, as downtown began to grow, as IUPUI came in, that is the land that got gobbled up. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, It's crazy that this land that, that, you know, was once not desired, was was once not looked or sought after, becomes the the land that they take to build universities, to build uh, state parks, to build... um, to, to, to spruce up the canal and to bring all these attractions in Indianapolis. It's where we've always lived in love and we were told it was worthless. And now, you know, we, we realized that this was a beautiful piece of, of the city that we had claimed and we had owned when nobody else did. And, and it, it's just, it would just be nice to have some, some proper recognition for how we built the city. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Let's go to this caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello, this is DJ Collins. Hey, what's up? How you doing this morning? I'm all right. How are you? What's on your mind? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, I am not originally from Indianapolis. I moved here in 96. Mm-hmm. And I am black and grew up an avid racing fan. So what happened was I was late to find out about the Colored Speedway Association. And once I found out more about the Colored Speedway Association... I was curious why there isn't more of a commemoration or anything of that nature for, from what I understand, they were a part of Indiana history as well. Mm-hmm. That, Samson, is a good question. Thank you for the call. That just kind of goes into, Samson, you're a historian. Yeah. Um, that that's kind of ca- par for the course, the way you described it to us, that that stuff just isn't documented. Well, yeah, and, and, and speaking on that Colored Seaway Association, that's another thing that was formed because, out of necessity. That's something that we, we, we had to do um, because we weren't simply either given the opportunity by having the resources and the connections to get onto the, um, just the racetrack that everybody else was racing on, uh, and because we wanted to have a place we could safely race. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the gold and glory sweepstakes. Um, and, and that was held at the Indiana State Fairgrounds for a while. Charles, Charles Wiggins, one of the most successful black drivers in the area, uh, won that thing four times, I believe. And so it's just like that history. I was just kind of talking about how you'll find the history you're looking for. And, and if you look at our black racing history, um, you'll find it and you'll be proud of it. And so that's another thing that we need to bring so much more attention to. And um, the first time I ever did, I love all of our Indiana history. So the first time I ever did a story on the fairgrounds, I was looking at this old dirt track that they had. And I realized that black race car drivers used to race there. And that's kind of when I got my interest into the Colored Speedway Association. So I appreciate that call. It kind of brightened up my day because I didn't know too many people were talking about it or interested. And so, um, um, yeah, it's one of those things you got to kind of look for to find. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, yeah, I just said your, your uh, young man in there. You need to go to the Indiana Historical Society and get the Sanborn Casualty Match. 
That lets you know the businesses and everything, their members and the products that they served up uh, right there in a, in a, in a caption. But uh, the, the Indiana Avenue, I lived on Agnes, right? And okay. that was the most beautiful street with well-manicured lines and everything until they start taking over the IUPUI, and then they turn it into a ghetto. They turn the utilities off. They raise the taxes so high. And, you know, property taxes is a form of eminent domain, which is taking away property. But uh, what happened is we allowed it to happen to ourselves and during the uh, civil rights movement because we said that we didn't want it. We said we wanted uh, to get out of our communities. And, young man, you need to research that if you're a real historian and find out for yourself what really happened to us. I mean, I would be curious. I'm an historian myself. So uh, you need to look into all of that. And there's a book. I have a, a five volumes of Indiana and Indiana that uh, does not go into much detail, but I have a book called The Indiana Commonwealth from uh, 1865 that details that the blacks, the reason why they were in that area is because they cleared all that land off and the white man was going to take it before that, but he found out that channel there at Fall Creek was not deep, deep enough to navigate, so they let the colored people stay in there until downtown began to grow. And the reason it was so vibrant is because black people could not come across Ohio Street. They were set down there. They could not come. So segregation did help us to build communities, and we should have spent our money. Kackendall and the other attorneys and John Ransom should have uh, defended us in court if they had any chance, but they didn't have any chance. So, young man, oh. All right. Thank you, Larry. So Samson, Larry always, sometimes there is a grain of truth in what he says, and some things are right. Other things are completely left field. I want to start by you are a historian, and this is something that you already do. So you already know the answer to the thing that this guy is telling you to go look up. So give us some of the truth of what really happened. Well, um, and and that's part of it. You know, we're really good at at creating our own communities and making ourselves feel at home. And, and um, we've always, we've always been able to do that no matter which land we've been forced to. When I talk about Fall Creek and um, the White River, Fall Creek, you couldn't take a boat down. White River um, steamboats were not navigable. So it wasn't a good access point for people. So they kind of just left it. And like I said, it was a real swampy area and people had to go in there and clear it to live there. It was not a bad part of town. When he talks about the property taxes rising and kind of forcing us out of the air, look at Bethel Amy Church. That church um, was organized first in 1836. That building was erected in 1913, I want to say. Um, and we'd always been there, and now the property taxes have, have risen through the roof. Um, we've always been there. And um, they finally start to value the area, and that's another way to force the people out it's hard to keep the places so um he's it, it, kind of leading on to a route of uh, and larry i appreciate the call um talking about the pros and cons of integration because when we are segregated we're forced to to build up these communities to live and to thrive and to look out for one another in a really unique way um that can't quite be replicated when things are as open as they are and so it is on us to keep our community strong and to keep them going and to keep them vibrant. We also have to realize as the times change, um, 
it's going to be hard to put that onus all on us. We are a minority. And so as we spread out, as we disperse in different parts of the city, it's going to be hard to keep those very strong sense of community um, connection and family and to uh, concentrate into a single area. So, Tamsin, uh, Samson, on your tour, um, like I said, you take us, we start at the Indianapolis Urban League, and we, I think you try to get it done in like an hour and a half, but I think we went for like three hours because <laughs> between me, your dad, and some other folks in the group, we were just so engaged and asking questions and just having a good time that it went on for longer than planned. How can people get involved uh, and catch you on the tour? Like you had said, it's a great, it's a fan, it's a great family trip, and you've also had a lot of uh, uh, ladies make it a girls' day to spend the day with you and do this tour. Yeah, um, it's, it's through twoeyes.com. So t h r o u g h the number two e y e s through twoeyes.com. That's t h r o u g h the number two, and eyes, E-Y-E-S dot com. And, um, and you click walk and talk, and you'll see the dates. I'm going to add some more up uh, coming soon. Just kind of looking at the weather. But I am going to walk at 2 p.m. today. And I do, and if anybody emails me, you'll see the email on the website. Um, I love to take groups, private groups, businesses, um, families, organizations uh, that want to come and walk with me. It's a great way to connect yourself to this history so often we feel like things happened so long ago or or there's not a way that our story intersects and every time we talk about history we're looking for ways to connect people and places to who we are today and and i think the avenue is a great way to do that for all types of people if you're if they're interested and invested in connecting to our rich history here I love to, to try to make so, that connection for people. So you're doing a tour today at 2 o'clock. Today's yeah. uh, going to be a good day to get out before it gets too cold. Give us the website again. Um, through eyescom So that's T-H-R-O-U-G-H. The number 2, E-Y-E-S.com. Just click walk and talk. You'll see the time and the date that's available today. And uh, I'd love to walk with you. Well, you know, when, when I walk through it, and me and your dad were talking about this, um, it was it was frustrating for me to hear you talk about all of this rich history. And we got a minute left, so I'm just making this quick. It was okay. frustrating to see all of that history, all this richness, all this this money, this influence, this power that literally was forced into one area and then it flourished, and then now all that's left there in many cases is a sign. I mean, if, if think of if if you went to the, we're talking if you went to Atlanta. Think of Martin Luther King's house being gone, his church being gone, the the hotel, motel where, where he was killed down south, all that gone. And the only thing left there was a sign. Like, that would, that would feel disrespectful, and I know it feels that way to a lot of people, but when you go on the tour, that's the closest you get, really, to learning that history because it's not taught in the classroom. No, no that's kind of what fuels me. I, I'm fueled by the things I don't know not only about Indianapolis, but about myself. And so I'm constantly looking for just the things that I don't know. And if you come on the tour with me, I'm sure you'll find things that you don't know about the city and also things you don't know about yourself. And I think it's a truly beautiful thing. All right, Samson Levinson, thank you so much for starting your Sunday with us. And thanks for what you do. Hopefully we get some folks out there who are listening and want to go on the tour this afternoon. Have a good one, my friend. 
All right, thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Open Line Show. I am back, same time, same station, next Sunday, live at 8. Here on Hot 96 Street, there's more music on the way. And on WTLC, the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton starts right now. I'm Cameron Riddle. Have a great one.